morning and welcome to Green Tea Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I'm honored to bring these experts to you. Today in our studio, we have Fran Begonic, licensed psychologist and holistic practitioner who assists her clients through trauma recovery, grief and bereavement, depression and anxiety, and other major life transitions. Fran's practice is located at the Bhakti Wellness Center in Edina. Welcome to our show, Fran. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so glad you're with us today. Thank you. So before we get started, I always like to give people the opportunity to kind of share with our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, about your practice, and and um, kind of how you got started. Okay. So um, as you said, I'm a licensed psychologist. I have been um, doing psychotherapy since I think the late 1990s, which might date me a little bit, but um, <laughs> is true. Um, and uh, am currently uh, doing private practice, um, working um, my specialty areas, like you said, are working with trauma and um, grief and loss, developmental trauma transitions and all kinds of mood disorders. Um, I also do um, a lot of work with um, brain mapping and neurofeedback. We have a, a clinic um, within Bhakti Wellness Center. It's a Bhakti Brain Clinic um, where we provide neurofeedback and brain mapping for clients for a variety of um, reasons. Um, I have historically always been kind of in private practice because um, it allows me freedom to, to work um, with clients in a way that I um, like to work with clients. Um, rather than um, being kind of um, suggested, yeah, absolutely, direction. yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and so um, that's sort of uh, the uh, I don't know. That's a bit of my background, I guess. So, what got you started? Mm, good question. So, um, I I've always been fascinated by. Um, what makes people tick? Um, just even as a kid, I remember just always kind of wondering about, geez, why why do they do that? Or why are they thinking that way? Or all of those kinds of questions. And um, that just sort of always hung around. Um, and I knew very early on that I wanted to do something like in a helping profession. And this just sort of kind of naturally seemed like a direction to go. So when I got myself to college, I um, decided that this is um, something I wanted to do and then um, began the process of um, taking psychology courses, having that kind of validate that, yes, I really do have an interest in this and becoming very fascinated. Um, I've been um, kind of a neuroscience geek for a very, very long time. Um, I remember in undergraduate school just being fascinated by um, courses that dealt with the brain and and how the brain Mm -hmm. um, was structured and all of that. So um, all of that sort of got me headed in this direction and... um, Ended up going to graduate school um, and have been working in the field ever since. So you have been in practice for over 20 years. Yes. Yep. You also have done teaching at mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota State Colleges and Universities. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, for um, a period of time, um, was an adjunct instructor and so taught at several different community colleges and then um, was offered a tenured track position at Anoka Ramsey Community College. Shout yeah, out to Anoka. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, took that and was doing that in clinical practice, um, both of those full-time for a while, and decided that I might practice what I preach to my clients and not overload myself. (laughs) And so I took a little bit of a sabbatical from therapy, actually, for a few years, and then um, after about 10 years of being in the teaching system, um, decided it was time to come back. I, I only took the sabbatical for about two or three years from therapy, but decided I needed to come back and do therapy, that that's really kind of the direction I wanted to go. And so I um, technically retired from teaching, although I'm far from retired in my life right now. Well, and it makes such an interesting story because, mm-hmm. you know, we always say that the best way to learn something mm-hmm. and the best way to become really proficient at something yeah. is to learn it, do it, teach it. Yes, right? yes. And so you've done that and now coming back and really focusing on your private yeah, practice. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the areas that you really focus on and, and one of the topics that I really want to have us focus on today in our conversation is with trauma recovery. Mm-hmm. So when we think about trauma, sometimes people think trauma is something huge, right? right. Something right. that's going, that's, you know, well, I haven't actually experienced any trauma. I mm-hmm. haven't experienced what that person experienced. Right, right. But what is trauma? Yeah. So I like to think about trauma um, as like a like a physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual injury um, that's the result of some kind of distressing event, it could be, but also distressing or life-threatening experiences. So, you know, in the field of trauma, we now talk about like big T trauma and little T trauma. And I think big T trauma is what you were talking about, that idea that some big event happened um, and that created a trauma. Somebody had a car accident and that created a trauma, for, a traumatic response for them. And so that's certainly one area of trauma that can lead to all kinds of um um, trauma symptomology. But then we have the little t trauma area, which is really um, more about developmental trauma. And so that's the piece that I think a lot of people are walking around with and don't realize that they have this in their history. So I don't know if you're familiar with the ACEs study that was done by Kaiser Permanente in the late 90s. Um, so let's talk about what ACEs is. Yeah, so ACEs is um, Adverse Childhood Experiences is what the acronym stands for. And Kaiser Permanente, along with um, uh, the Center for Disease Control, did an extensive study, 17,000 subjects, which is unimaginable, you know, in research, um, looking at um, the impact of adverse childhood experiences on um, individuals. So what comprises or what might be an adverse childhood experience um, is anything that kind of falls in the area of it could be abuse, neglect, maltreatment. Um, So individuals who might have grown up with a parent who was mentally ill or a parent who had a chemical um, use um, issue, um, growing up in a a family where there was domestic violence or a parent who's incarcerated um, or um, poverty in, you know, um, all of those kinds of experiences that can lead to a person being either physically and or emotionally neglected, um, abandoned, abused, that kind of thing. And so what the study found is that um, there are like about one in eight people who fall in the category of having like four or more of those adverse childhood experiences in their history. And what they were able to do is link those um, 
those experiences to increased rates of both physical and mental health issues. So people with four or more um, uh, ACEs, um, ex- those kinds of experiences, were far more likely to have um, mental illness um, or um, it's linked um, greatly, significantly linked to heart disease, to liver disease, to um, lung to cancer. Um, so physical ailments, chemical absolutely. dependency issues. Yep, and, and some kind of behavioral things, obesity, um, the, uh, teen pregnancy, all of those kinds of things that um, people are far more likely to, um, to, to experience. And so they, the study actually showed that if people have six or more of those ACEs, the, the, the ACE um, you can do a questionnaire, and the ACE mm-hmm. questionnaire has 10 questions on it. If you are able to say yes to six or more of those, you have um, an increased likelihood of dying 20 years earlier than if you did not have those. That's pretty significant, right? And so that's um, that piece about developmental trauma is really, um, for me, very fascinating because I think that we go around in this lifetime, many of us, having the impact from that and just not realizing it because perhaps maybe we didn't have a car accident or didn't weren't in a natural disaster or didn't have a rape in our history or something like that that we kind of typically define as trauma and so we don't realize that it is impacting us both psychologically physically um spiritually in ways that um are, are pretty detrimental. And each person has a different level of what they consider, I mean, what what they would experience as a trauma. Some sure. people have um, higher levels of, I guess, resiliency yeah. Uh, yeah. than other people might, or, you know, it's all in how we interpret the event yeah. that happened as Absolutely. well, especially as a child. And we've talked about that a few times on this show already, about... Um, you know, kids not having the ability to really be logical, right, or be able to think through right. what's actually happening. Yeah. So they they don't develop the ability to be logical until you're in your late teens, early twenties, absolutely. And so experiences that happen, you're experiencing from an emotional level, absolutely. <clears throat> yes. And so those aces, yeah. And there there is an assessment that people can take yes. in order to learn if they do have yeah. these aces. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're going to die twenty no. years earlier. If you understand it, you can get help. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, so to your point about people experiencing it differently, yes, you're absolutely right about that. And it is about the the interpretation that was made at the time of the trauma or traumatic experiences. So um, and, and what we know about kids is they're very black and white in their thinking. That abstract thought doesn't come along until later in our teens and into our 20s. And so um, black and white thinking can lead to interpretations that that can have then some traumatic impact, right? Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about this and some of the things that people might be experiencing as they go um, through these different situations. So to learn more about what Fran does and to make an an appointment, visit FranBeganicTherapy.com or call 612-564-9947. Again, that number is 612-564-9947. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. 
Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Braffel, and today we are talking with Fran Beganek, a licensed psychologist and holistic practitioner from the Bhakti Wellness Center in Edina. So, Fran, before we went on the break, we were starting to talk about uh, some of the different traumas. So we talked about big T trauma and little T trauma, and we're starting to uh, really kind of get into ACEs, (laughs) which is the adverse childhood experiences and um, kind of the situations that might come up for people that cause trauma in their lives. A lot of the times, like you said, because it's a small T trauma, I didn't go and fight in a war and I didn't, you know, I did. I wasn't in a big car accident or I wasn't raped or that kind of thing. Uh, people may not understand mm-hmm. that they're actually experiencing the effects of trauma. Yeah. And so what are some of the ways that trauma kind of presents itself? Sure, yeah, it's a great question. So um, a variety of things that we see, certainly, and I think the thing that we think about more often is that um, trauma can impact our ability to regulate our emotions. And so people may struggle with things like depression and anxiety, um, but oftentimes those kinds of experiences um, can show up um, a little bit differently. I think we think about depression as somebody who's laying in bed and can't get out of bed, and the reality is is that um, the majority of people who are experiencing depression are functioning on a daily basis. It's just that the quality of their life is significantly impacted. And so um, maybe they're experiencing a lot of trouble with brain fog, um, poor concentration, um, you know, noticing that at work they just can't, you know, everything seems hard, right? It takes a lot of energy um, because they maybe don't have much energy in the first place. Um, and so all of those kinds of experiences can be going on. Um, another place where people, I think, oftentimes where trauma effects show up is in relationship. And so many people um, find that just their ability to communicate in relationships, so it can be significant relationships like with significant others, family members, family of origin, um, but also just kind of day-to-day relationships where, um, you know, an individual is needing to kind of be able to communicate thoughts and feelings in some kind of cohesive way. And if trauma is under, you know, is kind of enacting itself, you know, kind of within their system, it can make it very challenging for somebody to um, be able to to feel comfortable in uh, social interactions, but also just in regards to being able to trust both themselves and another person to, you know, in communication. So oftentimes in my practice, I'll find um, couples who come in because they're having difficulty in relationship. And as we start to kind of peel away the layers and take some history, we start to find out that either one or both of them has, you know, some kind of trauma, developmental trauma that has happened in their past that it can be significantly impacting them. Another way I think that um, we see it um, oftentimes is people end up having physical issues. Um, Sometimes chronic pain um, can um, be kind of an exasperation of um, symptoms of trauma, Um, stomach issues, headaches, um, uh, fatigue, chronic fatigue, um, all of those things. When trauma happens to us, it gets stored in Mm -hmm. our entire body, not just in that part that we think about 
about as the the kind of more psychological part of us, so in our mind. But we store, you know, whatever is happening to us, we have memory cells within our whole body, and all of those cells are creating memories each and every moment. And so oftentimes we see that physiologically um, something's going on. Trauma also has a way of affecting the nervous system. And so um, a lot of times um, people will have... um, just kind of anxious, I I think of them as anxious bodies, you know, where there's a lot of like um, stomach ache kinds of issues, um, irritable irritable bowel issues, um, muscle tension, that's a big one where people, you know, um, have all kinds of difficulty with um, muscle tension, and that can be um, trauma-based as well. And so all of those areas. The other area that people don't very often talk about at all is the spiritual effect that trauma can have on you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that ends up um, impacting people in a way that um, leaves them feeling sometimes I have people talk about just feeling a sense of being lost in the world, um, not feeling like they have a sense of grounding anywhere and then trust. Um, That's a big piece of the spiritual component of trauma is um, the impact it has on a person's ability to trust just in general. Um, yeah. So uh, you were talking, I mean, we've kind of covered the whole gamut of things mm-hmm. too. One of the things that comes up for me as well is um, I know from experiencing um, depression and different types of trauma myself, one of the areas that I find that I have to be really aware of is how quickly I can go to anger. Ah, yes. How quickly I can be. We call it being triggered, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So something happens, and it really has nothing to do with that situation at the time, but it triggers something Mm -hmm. that then brings you to another state. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a big thing. And and oftentimes that's the the relationship piece I was talking about. Oftentimes those people that we're closest to become real triggers for it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, A look, a tone of voice, um, you know, uh, any uh, uh, a statement that is intended to be one thing but sounds like a totally different thing to somebody else because of some history that that can certainly trigger things um triggers can also happen um our our sensory system creates a lot of trigger there's a uh, um our sense of smell is powerful when it comes to trauma and Mm -hmm. um the the work of um of treating trauma has to include all of that sensory system as you kind of work on reprocessing and and um, kind of transforming through the um, transcending the trauma. Um, you know, lots of people the sense it, it can be walking somewhere and a certain smell can just trigger some. It, it might memory, not be. Yeah, it yeah. could be a memory, like a full blown memory, but oftentimes it triggers an emotional state, and that gets confusing because you know suddenly I might be walking by and smell you know i don't know a certain kind like maybe the smell of garlic and it triggers this sense of anger or sadness or fear um what's that about right you know and so maybe that's because i grew up in an environment that was extremely um you, you know maybe there was domestic abuse or maybe there was a lot of um stress within the family environment and we cooked with garlic a lot yeah right and yeah and it's interesting because we don't always recognize that because we don't we don't think about it 
um, in that way. Yeah. And so when it comes up, you know, I always think to say to people, even though it may not seem like a big deal to you, at that moment when you're experiencing it, it's a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. Deal. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to continue talking about this, and we're going to start talking about the different things that, uh, the different ways in which you help people through that, uh, through the therapy in overcoming some of the trauma reactions. Great. So to learn more about what Fran does and to make an appointment, visit Fran Begonic Therapy.com, and that's F R A N B I E G A N E K therapy.com or call 612-564-9947 to read an online version of natural awakenings magazine visit naturaltwincities.com you're listening to green tea conversations on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota and we will be right back Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Broffel, and today we're visiting with Fran Begonic, a licensed psychologist and holistic practitioner from the Bhakti Wellness Center in Edina. So just before the break, we were talking about trauma and how it kind of presents itself in our lives, some of the different ways um, that it can show up physically and emotionally and spiritually. Um, I also want to just talk about a little bit about what are some of the negative effects of trauma? Mm-hmm. What can it cause for mm-hmm. us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a variety of things can occur as a result of trauma, and, and it goes back to kind of what you were talking about earlier and how um, people experience and interpret things differently. But in general, um, if we're looking at kind of the whole individual, the psychological, um, the the cognitive, the, the emotional, the um, spiritual, the physical part, um, pieces of, of being human, those are the areas that can get impacted. And so um, oftentimes people who um, have trauma in their background develop like their nervous system becomes on red alert. I always think about those, you know, mm-hmm. at the, the airport when we see, you know, yellow and red alert, that kind of thing. And it's a nervous system that gets kind of stuck on red alert. So everything, you know, there's this sense of kind of never being able to trust anything. And so many, many people with trauma have this sense of kind of, we refer to it as hypervigilance, but it's kind of like always being on guard, right? Mm-hmm. And that can create then reinforce this sense of anxiety that shows up in the system, right? And so people can also then experience all kinds of anxiety reactions from panic to um, just kind of a, a general sense of, you know, being anxious. Anxiety also then affects your cognitive ability. And so many people who um, have uh, experienced trauma and are experiencing some effect, um, some people have a full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder. Many people have more of what we call a complex trauma response and um, that can include some of those cognitive um, functionings um, uh, like a dulling of the brain um, that many people talk about um, I have people who oftentimes will say to me I feel like I could can do so much more but I don't seem to be able to because I just have this kind of dull foggy feeling all the time um, and so that
that can be a part of um, what's going on with uh, the nervous system. When our nervous system is, um, limbic system is kicked in and all that, the um, stress hormones are going on, it actually uh, uh, shuts down our frontal lobe, which is our executive functioning. And so it can create all kinds of problems there. Um, and then people also have um, difficulty, like, um, I think almost every person I work with with trauma has some sort of physical manifestation of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the muscle tension that I mentioned is a, a big one. Um, stomach issues oftentimes and chronic pain are just um, seem to be um, way, other ways that the, the trauma um, can negatively impact them. And then, of course, all of that impacts ability, abilities to be able to function, you know, in your work environment, in your family life, in your relationships um, and in probably the most important place in your ability to take care of yourself because that's where it needs to start. For people with trauma, that's a hard thing to put, to, to grasp is that idea of self-care because for many people with trauma, <laughs> self-care gets confused with selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, hard for them to kind of grok the difference between those two. Yeah. And when you say, when we say that you're a holistic practitioner, yeah. so you really, you look at this, you look at the way that you treat people from a very holistic I approach. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you use, some of the modalities yeah. that you use in working with people? Yeah, so I, I pull from a variety of modalities um, and my, my goal always is to kind of be helping the person kind of transcend that trauma f- as a whole person and so it, it needs to include the mind the body the emotions and the spirit right um, and so um, I pull on a variety of modalities um, some of them are more of the kind of what we consider mainstream psychology so cognitive behavioral strategies of you know being able to look at um, challenging thought processes that are maladaptive you know that were developed as a, a way to kind of protect the self um, during trauma um, experiences um, and um, behaviorally just really starting to to, um, change behavioral patterns that might be in place. Um, But then I also draw a lot on like somatic um, psychology. So um, Dr. Peter Levine's work has been a a big influence for me um, and really kind of helping people to um, begin to learn how to to re-inhabit their body because one of the things that happens with trauma, whether it's big D trauma or little t, you know, that developmental trauma is people learn how to disconnect as a mechanism of survival. And they disconnect and they have this sense of kind of not really being connected to their body and so oftentimes go around life kind of feeling like you're floating in life watching a movie or something. And so, so it's not exactly what, I mean, like there's a dissociative right. disorder. Yeah. And you're not talking about that. Mm-mm. We all experience it in some way. Yeah, yeah. Every <clears throat> one of us when we're driving for any distance experiences dissociation, right? Suddenly you go, wait a minute, how did I get here? I was just back there and you know 20 minutes have gone by that's your mind dissociating it's just altering its level of consciousness um that is a a strategy that the psyche uses during trauma to help the person survive the trauma in the moment or moments if it's more of a developmental process and so um learning how to kind of re-inhabit your body learning how trauma is impacting your body um being able cannot tell you how empowered um i have seen clients feel when they realize that they can actually feel space in their foot right Mm -hmm. to be able to 
inhabit their body in such a way. And that's a scary thing for somebody who's had trauma to do that. And so that's a very gradual process in doing that. So I draw on a lot of different somatic um, techniques um, to, to help people begin to become aware of and then manage the symptoms that happen, um, the anxiety that comes up as they're working through the trauma. And then... Um, Lastly is I leave open space for some kind of spiritual um, experience for them. I am not a spiritual counselor. I don't pretend to be. I never assume to be one. But if I am in the room with a human being, if I want to be with them wholly, I have to allow for their spiritual being to be there as well. And so sometimes the work of the spirit is really about the... um, working on the relationship between myself and the client and allowing them an environment where they can feel held in such a way that has healthy boundaries and will allow them to begin to learn how to build a sense of trust. Because that's what our spirit is about. That's what spirituality is about, is that sense of trust, right? And um, and so sometimes it's that trust work that we're doing. And I'm very, sometimes that's just happening. Um, it's always intentional on my part, but sometimes it's just going on and we're not talking about it. But sometimes we're intentionally talking about the therapeutic relationship and the role that that can play in helping that person begin to, to create different um, responses to the trauma that it's had. So I always tell clients that, Trauma, we're not going to take away the trauma. You can't ever do that. Mm -hmm. What happened, happened, right? What transcending trauma is about is learning to have a different relationship with trauma in the present so that you're not any longer implicated in what it meant to you back then right? and how it affected you. So you can get out of that fear response and be able to. Yep. And... um, I just I find it so interesting when you're talking about this. Earlier, you had said um, like a smell might yeah. affect something. So how that I assume is part of that physical manifestation of, sure. of the trauma. So you work with people through that as well. Sure. Yeah. So that's an example of kind of traditional psychology coming into play, right? The stuff that's more of been around for a long time and is considered more of the mainstream um, is. Uh, that's that happened that smell being a trigger happened as a result of just a pure conditioning response right in this environment that's really stressful smell garlic the brain puts those two together and every time you smell garlic that stimuli comes to your brain your brain's going to take it to the memory that it has which is one of distress right mm-hmm. and so we might if 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 that were showing itself up really strongly in in um, a clinical presentation we might spend some time doing some exposure therapy with garlic right yeah yeah Yep. Just so that people can yeah. can see it for what it is. Yeah. You know, in, and in our society today, you know, we have, I can get anything delivered to my door within hours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep. can order anything and have mm-hmm. it there right away. And we have microwaves to make sure we have food and drink, hot food and drink very quickly. Yeah. And so a lot of the times people talk about, you know, therapy takes so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about that for a little bit. Because... Yeah. Um, as a 51-year-old woman, I've had, you know, some of these experiences in my life for 45, 50 years, right? Right. So we can't expect it 
to be a one and done. Right, right. Yeah, no, very good point. Um, and uh, I think you're right about that. Um, when I think about healing from trauma, I, I, I oftentimes think about it as, well, this is a, a life work for somebody. And it doesn't mean that you have to be struggling with it for the rest of your life. But that as human beings, you know, we may get to a point where we feel like we've really transcended a lot of our trauma and then one day something else kind of comes up from the psyche, you know, something that's been in the unconscious sort of rises and there we are, here it is again, right? And so we unravel it a bit. But it does, if you think about what happens, the the injury that happens with the impact of trauma... It, it makes sense that, it, you know, we're not just going to be able to sew it up and it's going to be good to go, right? Um, and so it can take a long time. One of the other practices that I bring in um, that can help to, to, to move the process along quicker for some people is that of neurofeedback, which is, you know, a process that really starts to look at changing the structural processing of the, the, the physical processing in the brain, um, like in the neural networks. Um, that can then allow for some of the trauma work to happen a little more smoothly. It's not a quick fix. Again, I'm not suggesting that. And I think that if you really want to to um, transcend from trauma, you you just have to know that this is a you know process of um, well being. You know, it's it's if you want to build a good solid house, you know, you don't want it built in ten days. No, yeah. and we do. I mean, we all want to not feel pain. We all right. want to just put it away and not have to deal with it at all, but we really do have to feel it in order to be able to heal it. absolutely. So uh, for people who want to learn more and want to make an appointment with Fran, you can visit her website at franbeganictherapy.com, and that's F-R-A-N-B-I-E-G-A-N-E-K therapy.com, or call 612-564-9947. And again, that's 612-564-9947. 9947. To read an online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com, on Apple and Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're talking with Fran Baganek, a licensed psychologist and holistic practitioner from the Bhakti Wellness Center in Edina. So just before the break, we were talking about the different modalities that you use in helping people to um, kind of heal or um, be able to become more whole um, in their trauma journeys. And so we were talking about neurofeedback. Mm -hmm. And I do want to just... 
touch on that a little bit more. So what would people experience if they were to come in for some neurofeedback? Sure. So um, at, um, at, at our clinic at Bhakti, at our brain health clinic, um, we do um, neurofeedback and brain mapping. And so the process is that you do the QEEG um, or the Which brain mapping. Which is the brain mapping. Mm-hmm. Okay. You do that initially. And what that is is we, we do a full 19 channel. So we're getting data from your entire brain. Um, that we then um, look at and, and apply to a normative database and get information about where your brain might be actually experiencing dysregulation. So like in the neural network processing part of the brain, when there is dysregulation, then that can lead to all kinds of um, what we would call symptomology, right? But like all of the the things that we've talked about, the brain fog, the the mood dysregulation, the physical, um, like chronic pain, migraine headaches, all of those kinds of things um, are, well, you know, um, we can start to get a picture of them as we do the brain mapping. And then we use the brain mapping to create protocols then to do the neurofeedback. And the neurofeedback really is a process of um, allowing your brain, taking information from your brain, um, comparing it to a normative database that we have in our computer, and then using operant conditioning as a way to have your brain start to respond um, more like a neurotypical brain, right? So operant conditioning. Yep. So, um, <laughs> yep. So respond like behavior and reward, response and reward. So, for example, um, oftentimes with our neurofeedback, we'll have people. We put the we wire them up. We're taking data from all uh, all nineteen channels that taking it from their brain, um, and uh, they're watching a video game. So we have a video game where you can fly a plane or a bird or some other kind of object, and your the the goal is to fly it through a target. Um, but it's we're, you're not using your hands with any kind of controller. Literally, your brain has to do the work of figuring out what it needs to do to make the plane go through the target. And what it needs to do is match up to that database of neurotypical brains. Whenever it does what those neurotypical brains do, the plane flies through, it flips over and makes this cool swooshing sound and you (laughs) see the plane flip and that's the stimuli that's rewarding for the brain. So it's not about your mind getting rewarded. It's about your brain, the actual physical structure that is between in your skull, right, your brain, getting the reward. And with operant conditioning, what we know is when a, when a behavior occurs and it gets reinforced, the brain wants to do that behavior more to get more reinforcement. And so through that process, we train the brain to become less dysregulated, more regulated, more functional. Wow. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And and. This is a process, do people do it just in the clinic? Yeah, yep. And so um, we do, um, yeah, and we, um, there are two practitioners, myself and Guy Odisha, who's the owner of Bhakti Wellness Center, and um, who are currently doing um, neurofeedback at the clinic. We're just recently bringing on an, another provider um, who will be doing that as well. Um, and people come into the clinic um, and do the neurofeedback. Um, usually, typically, it's twice a week that you're doing it for a series of um, somewhere between 20 and 40 sessions. Um, the, the exciting piece about neurofeedback is the changes that you're making in your brain 
can be permanent changes. And so the idea is you do that for, you know, a period of time so that you can always think of it as creating some well-rutted roads of neural circuitry in your brain. And you really need to kind of just kind of keep going over them for a period of time to get them to become more permanently the way the brain Well, operates. and we, re- we have already created well-rutted yes. messages in our brain, right. but they're just not right. helpful they're, to us. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're the dysregulated ones. And so that's what we're doing is kind of changing those, right, and creating some new neural pathways ways that are more regulated. And when that happens, then the symptoms dissipate. And that's the goal, right? Quality of life for clients. So people, you said it takes usually 20 to 40 sessions yeah, yeah. for people to go yeah. through this. And yeah. yeah, That's really interesting. So that's one of the one of the treatments that you use there. Yes. And yeah. you said you start off with the brain mapping. Yes. How long does that process usually take? Yep. So the brain mapping is an hour-long session it, because we have to wire you up and put gel in the sensors and all of that. The actual mapping itself is like a 22-minute process um, that we're doing. Um, we're never, with neural feedback. there's never anything going into the brain. That's what I like about it. It is completely non-invasive. We are simply taking information, electrical information, information from your brain that comes through your scalp um, and and that's what we're doing and so completely non-invasive in that way. So tell us a little bit about Bhakti yeah. because Bhakti yeah. is, is a wellness clinic and mm-hmm. you practice there with uh, several other practitioners. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the other services? Yeah. That- so Bhakti has a variety of, um, uh, of practitioners there that span the range from massage therapists, craniosacral massage, um, chiropractic. We have a medical doctor who does concierge medicine. Um, we have energy workers. Um, we do microcurrent, um, microcurrent um, like aesthetic um, facials, um, acupuncture. Um, we have homeopathy. We have um, we have a practitioner there who um, is a, a nutritionist who helps people. She focuses on food sensitivities. Um, so people yeah. could really come in and working with you be able to also kind of take advantage of some of those other services to help, yeah. especially help as they're going through this process Absolutely. to relieve some of the symptoms yeah. of the trauma that they're experiencing. Yeah, it's, it's the reason that I practice where I practice instead of being in just a psychology clinic is that ability to be able to have direct contact with practitioners that are doing healing services that I think might be beneficial for my client. I'm often referring clients for massage, for acupuncture, for chiropractic, for for um, homeopathy, um, all of those things. Great. Well, for people who want to learn more about what Fran does and to make an appointment, visit franbegonictherapy.com or call 612-564-9947. And again, that number is 612-564-9947. Thank you, Fran, for joining us today and telling us all about the therapies that you use and to help people who want to overcome 
trauma. You're welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. To read an online edition of Natural Awakenings magazine or to check out our complete online calendar of events, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com on Apple or Google Podcasts. Thank you for joining our conversation today as we awaken to natural health. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I'm wishing for you a lovely day. Love